Okay, mic check, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Okay, so if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. everybody welcome 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 to adventures in black cinema your passport to black film my name is desmond thorne and i will be your host and your film aficionado for the day and in relation to the film that we are going to talk about this week i have also been thinking about these things that we call self-sabotage and discipline what are they how do they manifest and the character the main character played by tay diggs in the film that we're going to talk about today definitely deals with both of these things. So self-sabotage is like, you know, what RuPaul calls the inner saboteur. This is the subconscious voice or thought process that goes along throughout the day and basically has you believe that you can't do certain things or that you do not deserve certain things or you are not worthy of certain things. So that manifests itself in certain ways like procrastination, negative self-talk, things like that. And then on the opposite side, but we have, well, not the opposite side, but (laughs) we also then have something called discipline. And discipline, I think the best way it was explained to me was actually this idea of not buying in to things that no longer serve you or do not serve you at all. So not doing things that are self-sabotage, essentially. Doing things that are going to push you forward into a space, no longer doing things that do not serve you. So I've learned a lot about both of these things in many ways. And I think in one way, I've definitely learned about it in terms of love and relationships and things like that. Because I mean, it's been like ups and downs and all arounds, sideways, Any direction that I can go, it has gone this month. And this month has been like a really great month for me. I really, really loved and enjoyed celebrating Pride and celebrating everything that was happening in June. But I mean, my love tangs, my love tings in June have gone from being ghosted by this guy who like professed love for me essentially at a party. (gasps) Then at some point having this very confusing thing with a friend of mine, I don't know what's happening. We will put a pin in that. And also, you know, going to a party and making out with two guys that had boyfriends that were not in open relationships. So then what ended up happening was me being able to go to a Pride celebration on Pride Sunday in New York City and have the objective of having fun and not self-sabotaging by seeking a similar or same pattern that I usually do. And that honestly felt really great. It felt very freeing. And in terms of 
procrastination. I be a procrastinating motherfucker. That is one thing that I have to work on in terms of my own self-sabotage and discipline. And that is definitely something that this character, like I said, deals with in this film. I mean, this character is a writer, so in my head I'm just like, I have to keep up with the writing and I need y'all to hold me accountable because I want y'all to be seeing more new work from me. And, you know, speaking of writing and all of these themes, greetings from New York, New York. This week's episode is called Adventures in Writing and Weddings, and we will be getting into the nitty-gritty of the classic The Best Man. But first, some gay shit. Now you want to talk about beating? Let's talk about beating. So... Welcome to Some Gay Shit. This is a segment that, if you don't know, is about, obviously, some gay shit. And we talk about some gay shit that's happening in the media, in television or film. We talk about its importance and why I think that you should be hip to it, check it out, know about it, be a part of it. And this week, I'm going to talk about Legendary again. Way back in the day, in one of our first episodes, I talked about Legendary Season 1 last summer, and this is a show that's on HBO Max, and it is a Vogue ballroom competition reality show, and it is absolutely incredible. I think it highlights the importance of ballroom and the ballroom community so much. I think, you know, ballroom and voguing is so inherent in both cultures of being queer and being black, you know, whether some people know it or not. I think ballroom gives and has given for decades so many people who didn't have homes or families, a home and a family. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful work of art. I think in season two, what they do is combine the world of Vogue and ballroom with other styles of dance in a really, really cool way. I think they allow the houses to display different elements in a really beautiful way in terms of costuming and makeup and different styles and things like that. I think the judges got even more confident. I mean, Laomi Maldonado, the icon, the icon is incredible. And I think they bring in some good guest judges as well. I think Taraji P. Henson was a really good guest judge because anything Taraji tells you, you're just going to believe with your whole entire heart. And she just has a really wonderful moment with someone that they have been critical of during one challenge. And then also the (laughs) Tiffany Haddish episode. Oh my God. They get into some drama and I think it's wonderful. I think it's so great to see. It's so much fun. They change up the scoring system. They just do some more fun shit with the houses. The show is getting more confident and Deshaun Wesley is just one of the best host of a show, period. He needs to be nominated for a Emmy Award for hosting. He is absolutely incredible, and I can't wait to see more of him. He just formed a new house, the House of Basquiat. He is the father of the House of Basquiat, so I'm so excited to see more Deshaun Wesley, and I'm excited to see more because the show got renewed for season three, so it's gonna be on season three, HBO Max. I cannot wait. Check out Legendary. Legendary. And we will be back for the nitty-gritty of the best man after this short ad break. You are here for one reason. 
So let's get into the nitty gritty of The Best Man. So The Best Man was directed by Malcolm D. Lee. It was released in 1999, and here's a little summary of the film if you don't know about it. This is a film about Harper Stewart, played by Tay Diggs, who is a successful author and who is traveling to New York to be the best man at his best friend's wedding. And his best friend's name is Lance. He's played by Morris Chestnut, and he is a successful football player. Harper, Tay Diggs' character, is having issues connecting with his girlfriend, played by Sanaa Lathan, and he is growing concerned about an advanced copy of his book, Getting Around His Friend Circle. Why? Because this book is all about them and it contains certain secrets and feelings between the group of friends that Harper isn't ready to discuss yet. This film also stars excellent, excellent, excellent stacked ass cast. Are you ready for this jelly? We have Nia Long, we have Harold Perineu, we have Monica Calhoun, we have Terrence Howard, we have Melissa D'Souza, and we have Miss Regina Hall. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing, amazing, brilliant cast put together by Miss Robbie Reed, who honestly deserves a fucking achievement award of lifetime. An achievement award of lifetime is what we're gonna call it now. Fuck a lifetime achievement award. An achievement award of lifetime because that is what this woman has given us. She has given us some incredibly brilliant casts that I've mentioned on the podcast before. She's just really given us some of the biggest and best household names in Black cinema. So snaps and claps to Miss Robbie Reed. Now, speaking of this group of actors, you know, usually when I do talk about an ensemble film, like if Beale Street could talk, et cetera, et cetera, we talk about the performances and we do a little performance breakdown, shakedown. So, Tay Diggs is very good in this movie. It's definitely fun to see him so recently, you know, having done an episode on how Stella got her groove back in the beginning of the season, and then seeing him in this film. It's nice to remember that Tay Diggs is, in fact, a good actor when he's not putting on an accent that he wasn't probably coached in or wasn't good at to begin with. But it's cool to see him play the center of this film and to see a character do these kinds of self-sabotage things in a way that feels real and subtle and it doesn't feel like it's, of course, like I just said, beating you over the head with it. It's interesting to see how he is self-sabotaging his relationships through this fantasy that he has with his friend, played by Nia Long, as well as just kind of self-sabotaging his relationships, even with his friends, based on how he wrote about them and how he wrote about certain situations. And I mean, in a way that is confronting a lot of things and being open about it in the way that he can be at the time, but it ends up hurting and pushing people away from him. And sometimes that can subtly be the objective of your inner saboteur at work, doing the devil's work. So then we have Morris Chestnut, who's playing Lance. And Morris Chestnut is giving us eye candy. He's giving us vibes, children. And he is, you know, very attractive in his role. Very good, grounded. I honestly have to look back 
at some of the stuff Morris Chestnut has done because I feel like he is someone who's so much more known for being fine and he's actually quite good in this movie. And I mean fine as in like fine, as in like he look good, honey. Not as an actor. I don't think he's really known for giving you a lot because I think his looks kind of surpass that, but I think he's great. So I want to look back at his work a little bit and kind of reminisce and remember the things that I have seen and also catch up on some stuff that I haven't seen. Then we have Sanaa, who plays Harper's girlfriend. And Sanaa is great as always in this, just giving us, again, a performance full of ease and a performance full of strength, honestly, because there's some shit that she doesn't stand for and has boundaries on that I really, really appreciate around dealing with Harper. And it's really nice to see her not cave in, and it's really nice to see her speak up for herself in those situations. I think it's a really beautiful thing for everybody to see and to receive that message that you don't actually have to stand up for things through love, quote-unquote, and all that shit. You can actually just do what you need to do. And she did what needed to be done, as Law Roach says on Legendary. And then, of course, we have Miss Nia Long. Nia Long is just simply one of the best. The second you see her and the first thing that she's in, in the control room, because she is a news producer, she just commands so much attention so naturally. It is incredible. I would love, love, love to have a chat with her someday. Yeah, I gotta make that happen. I gotta make that happen. I think we gotta do something to push out and appreciate Miss Nia Long a bit more because she deserves all the roses. And there's a part where Harper is blaming something on her in a situation, and I've said it before and I will say it again. She can do no wrong. Nia Long can do no wrong. Nia Long. Nia Long can do no wrong. Nia Long. So there you go. I said what I said and I'm sticking to it. Harold Perineau is great in this movie. I think he's another actor who's always fucking great. You will definitely, if you don't recognize his name coming out of my mouth currently. If you look up a picture of him, you'll recognize him from Oz on HBO. You'll recognize him from Lost on ABC. Really great actor, done a lot of TV, a lot of film. Really solid in this movie. And Melissa D'Souza, who plays his counterpart, his girlfriend, is fucking hilarious. She plays that friend's girlfriend that everyone's just like, ugh, here she is. And I love that they're not subtle about it, that they're just like very honest about how they feel about her. They're just like, ugh, it's Shelby. Oh my God, Shelby. And just like talk shit to her about her. It's great because I think that if they were subtle about it and were talking shit about her behind her back, I'd have a little less respect for all these characters. But the fact that they're very honest about it makes funny moments for them and also really funny moments for her. Monica Calhoun plays Lance's bride-to-be, and she went to college with Lance and with Harper and also with Nia Long's character, so they've known each other from back in the day. Unclear on Harold Perineau and Terrence Howard's status on going to college with them. It seems like they did, but they're not in any of the flashbacks. So who's to say? But 
Monica Calhoun is great. I really appreciate that we talk about Morris Chestnut being so fine, such a knockout, and Monica Calhoun is beautiful in a very natural way. She doesn't look like she walked out of a fucking catalog. She is beautiful in that if I saw her out on the streets, I would be like, that is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. So I like that she has a very natural beauty about her. I think that's also very important to see that it's not just like this insanely hot matchup You know, that's not what life is like. Both of these people are beautiful in different ways, and I think that that is beautiful. And she also gets to be grounded and also hilarious at the end of the film, which is at her wedding. So balance, balance. It's a very Libra performance. Then we have Terrence Howard, and Terrence Howard is interesting to me. I'm getting a lot of things in this performance, lots of flavors. First of all, it has dawned on me that I feel as if Terrence Howard was considered fine within the, and I'm, again, talking about fine as in sexy, within the world of black cinema because he's light-skinned and has those eyes. But, like, is Terrence Howard hot? Was he hot? I don't know. Maybe it's everything on Empire and certain things that he said and just, like, being weird that's kind of turned me off from him. Good actor, though, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I have conflicting feelings about Terrence Howard, um, and it's interesting to see that there's almost a bit of foreshadowing with his role in Hustle and Flow in this movie. There is, indeed, with the way that he deals with women and just him being a fucking asshole. He was a fucking asshole in movies and TV forever, and he basically still is, I guess. And then, last but not least, we have Regina Hall, who is just perfect. Regina Hall is just perfect. Uh, There is not much more that I feel like I need to say about that. I do love that this reunites, well, this is a year or two before Love and Basketball. So though Regina Hall and Sanaa Lathan do not share any scenes in this film except for the big wedding scene, as well as them being not in the main group of friends in this film. I love that they ended up playing sisters and loving basketball. So love that. Love little movie connections like that. So let's do a couple fun facts for this film. First fun fact is that Lorenz Tate was offered the role of Harper, but turned it down because his character in Love Jones was also a writer, and that also would mean that he would be a love interest for Nia Long once again, which is just, you know, repetitive, I suppose. Lorenz would have been great in this, and I also think that Tate Diggs provides a certain kind of little, little, little hint of unlikability, just enough for you to be pissed off at Harper. That really works. So these casting things, per usual, kind of worked out in everyone's favor. Second fun fact, there is a sequel to this film called The Best Man Holiday. And guess what, y'all? There's going to be a 10-part limited series with the original cast. And they're going to continue the story. And it's going to be on Peacock. I don't have Peacock. I don't know anyone who has Peacock. I've heard about it. But I will be taking part in this. I have not seen Best Man Holiday and would love to because I did enjoy this a lot. 
And can't wait for this limited series. Like, I'm hype. And Malcolm D. Lee is coming back to direct and be at the helm. So I think it's going to be lit. So my first experience seeing this film was actually at a barbershop on a busy day waiting to get a haircut and then getting a haircut. This movie had definitely been out for a while already because everybody in the barbershop was cutting up, reciting the lines, and talking about their favorite moments. And I think this was actually a perfect place to watch this film because barbershops, especially black... Oh, actually, all barbershops, I would say have an air of masculinity about them. And there is a theme of masculinity in this film, you know, with Harper and his bros and kind of this ego around the fact that Harper did one sleep with Lance's soon-to-be wife when they were in college, when Lance and his then-girlfriend were on a break. So all these years later, he's sitting up in his fucking bathroom during his bachelor party, bro, why are you doing that? Reading the part of Harper's book where he talks about that essentially with veiled character names, of course, but if you know, you know, so he knows. So there is very much an ego masculinity thing going on there. There's definitely ego masculinity going on with Terrence Howard's character, pretty much with all the guys in varying degrees of toxicity. Some of it is less. Some of it is more, of course. And I think it's important that these things do get called out on and that they aren't just skated past for the most part. You know, Terrence Howard is rightly called a fucking asshole, a fucking dog. And, uh, you know... When things are found out, these guys are definitely called out on their shit, and I appreciate that. I always appreciate men getting called out on their shit just because it needs to happen more often, and the world would be a better place for it. So yeah, this was the perfect place to see this movie for the first time, and it was great to revisit it for the podcast. So let's talk about these themes of writing and weddings. So the fact that Tay Diggs' character is a writer who writes about his own life really struck a chord with me, and I really appreciated seeing that representation. I feel as if possibly Malcolm D. Lee is one of those people, as is, of course, Kenya Barris, who helped with Girl's Trip, another Malcolm D. Lee film. And I appreciated the representation of the dilemma about writing stories about real people in your life and real life situations because there does have to be a kind of space that you put between yourself, your experiences, and the work. They still have to be characters. There has to be a story. There's got to be drama. There's got to be these things present in the story. And you don't want it to be didactic. You don't want it to just be like, you know, event, 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 these people, these things, these people, these things. You really want it to sing in a different way. And it's interesting when you're writing about real people because there is a kind of feeling that, of course, we see that Harper has a feeling like he is betraying these people in some way by writing about them. It's interesting to me that I guess he maybe didn't feel like he found that balance and neither does anyone else. 
because everyone seems to know exactly who they are and they're able to find these exact situations that he's written about. So I'm like, bruh, if you didn't want anyone to know about this shit, then why did you write about it? Period, dude. Like, if you did not want your best friend to know that you had previously slept with his soon-to-be wife, change up some more shit. I mean, of course, there's got to be more drama. There's got to be more intrigue. There's got to be more things to make it exciting. And that's what makes this story this story. Of course, he had to write something that was so revealing that his friends would be like, yo, what the fuck kind of thing? Like, you know, when they all find the notebook and Harriet the spy, it gets real. So there's got to be that balance. And there's a balance that I always try to find with my writing, which I think is probably one of the biggest blocks to my writing is kind of jumping over that hurdle of being honest with how you feel, being honest about who you are and who you were in those situations. And representing it in a way that is also interesting. So also taking liberties with the truth and such. And sometimes having people recognize themselves and sometimes having people not recognize themselves. I'm working on two different projects right now. One is a pilot and one is a feature film. And they're both incredibly deeply personal. And you have to do a lot of self-work to get to a place where you don't give a fuck and you're also doing it with care. Again, it's a balance. It's really tough balance. And it is represented very well here in this film by Harper writing something that is going to move people, that is going to get people going. And at the same time is also revealing things and kind of hurting his relationships with his friends, doing a little bit of self-sabotage in terms of just spilling so much fucking tea in this book. And something that I appreciate in this film, in terms of Harper being a writer, in terms of Nia Long's character being a news producer, and Lance being a football player, I love that the main characters in this film are very successful at their jobs. But I just love, and I think to my mind, a consistent thing in Malcolm D. Lee's films, Black people having very high-ranking jobs, very out-there kind of jobs in terms of, like, being in the public eye. And also Harold Perini's job of just, like, helping kids and being successful at that, I think, is also very important to see. I just think at all times it is important to see Black people succeeding at what they do. So, yeah, writing is a very powerful tool of expression, and because it's a very powerful tool of expression, one must be careful and tread lightly because regardless of what you write, there is going to be some personal shit in there. It just all depends on whether you want it to be super personal or get a little bit more space in there. And I think Harper could have definitely used a little bit more space because when Lance finds out about the situation, reading the book on the fucking toilet at his bachelor party, because I guess he's bored. Sitting on the toilet. He finds out and then he, you know, beats the shit out of Harper and almost like kills him. So there goes that toxic masculinity for you. It came up. And, you know, bachelor parties weddings, fun things. I personally love weddings. I have 
so many weddings to go to next year in 2022. I am so prepared. I'm so ready. I think weddings are a fun time to just kind of, especially if they're not in your family, go a little buck wild and just live and have a great time. Woo! Make a couple mistakes that hopefully aren't too big mistakes, like, you know, potentially throwing your best friend off of a building. But I've been a best man before, and I was a best man at my brother's wedding, and there's definitely a lot of pressure that comes into it, but I think it's like fun pressure. I think we see Harper having a lot of fun for the most part outside of the shit with the book, having a lot of fun trying to be there for Lance and plan everything and be a dope ass best man, which I gotta say, I was a pretty good best man. My speech was lit. I did pretty much what I do for this show often and what I do for most speeches, most things that I'm speaking in front of people of, whether it's a set, storytelling set, stand-up set, character set, intro, Q&A. I do bullet points and I you know, know what I'm talking about, know what I'm saying, and then just you know find out what's happening in the moment, zhuzh it up in the moment, and that's where the magic happens. And I gave a pretty short speech, but I said what I wanted to say, and I still remember it, and I remember there being a really nice reaction. I remember her mom coming up to me, uh, my sister-in-law's mom coming up to me and saying that she appreciated it. And I also basically did a speech at another friend's wedding earlier that year in the summer because I was the officiant. They had gotten married already on paper so that my friend Adam's grandmother could be present at that ceremony. And then they got married in Colorado, which was a lot of fun. So I didn't have to marry them officially, but I did do a little speech as they were doing the rings and all that official shit. So... I'm available for weddings, just saying. And I'm also just a fun person to be with at weddings. And I think they accurately represent a wedding weekend for sure, especially because something else that happens at weddings is sexual tension with friends. Sexual tension with people at the wedding. Sexual tension with friends. Sexual tension with people at the wedding. Yeah, so there was definitely a guy at my brother's wedding I had sexual tension with. Happens. And was a friend of mine, a friend of ours. And that is a very, very big plot point in this movie. We're talking about Harper and Nia Long's character, Morris Chestnut and Nia Long. They had a little thing in college. It never got physical. They never had sex, but there's always been this sexual tension with them over the years, which leads to Harper self-sabotaging in his relationship with Sanaa Lathan's character because he is going on this fantasy about the two of them being together. And that's pretty much what it is, a fantasy. And you know, moments where toxic masculinity is called out, Nia Long proposes to Harper that they sleep together the night of the bachelor party. Of course, Harper gets fucked up and punched, blah, 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 blah. And then Harper tries to blame that on Nia Long and she fucking slaps him. And I love it because he deserves it. You don't blame Nia Long for shit. Shit, shit. She didn't do anything. It was your fault. Your fault, Tay Diggs. Your fault, Tay Diggs. 
So there's always expected to be some form of messiness at these functions. But you know what else is also guaranteed? If you go to any black function, the electric slide will happen to some song. Will it be the electric slide song itself? Possibly. But it could also be something else. And it will most likely be something else. So I love that this film ends on a note that is optimistic. It doesn't feel unrealistic, the kind of conclusions that they've come to. They have definitely worked for these conclusions. They have worked for the reunion of Lance and Harper as friends. They have worked toward Nia Long coming to realize that being with Harper is not what she wants or needs. We do come away to Harold Perini's character removing himself from Shelby (laughs) and getting with Regina Hall, someone who's more interested in what he wants to do with his life, not what she wants to do with his life. And, you know, even little Terrence Howard gets his little, gets his little shit. And to see that through the self-sabotage and through the working through of the issues between Morris Chestnut's character, Harper, and Sanaa Lathan's character, that they do reach a nice place where they feel like they can trust each other and they can be together and they can have a life together. And I really, really appreciate that. So in conclusion, this movie is a dope entry into the canon of classic Black films. It's not perfect, and Malcolm D. Lee would continue to find his groove and his finesse even more on incredible films like Girls Trip. Everyone in this film is great, the cast is stacked, and it seemed like a fun film to be a part of, especially seeing that they've done a sequel and that they're all returning for the limited series coming to Peacock, and I hope that that is lit. I have such high hopes for that. And again, it is so important to have these Black films that just show us living, kicking it, dealing with human problems that aren't linked to racial trauma. This film is now available to stream on Hulu, so check it out. And right after this little ad break, we will be getting into this week's You Better Act Awards, so stay tuned, y'all. All my life I had to fight. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Adventures in Black Cinema, your passport to black film. It is time to get into this week's You Better Act Award. And if it's your first time here and you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, the You Better Act Award is a weekly award that I bestow upon an actor or actors, hint for this week, that I deem to just be giving us so much life, love, and happiness through their performances. And I want to show them some love back. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please, The Cast of Zola. So Zola is a film that was slated to be released last year in 2020, but got held because of COVID-19. 
and was released this year. This film was directed by Jindexa Bravo, who is an independent film director. She is amazing. She is brilliant. And she bought to life the 148 Twitter thread from Miss Zola, who was a waitress in Detroit, I believe, and ended up going on this crazy trip in Tampa Bay, Florida, with a young woman who was an exotic dancer as well, and also a sex worker. And this was a white woman that she ended up going with. So this cast is absolutely amazing. They are all so, so, so good. We have Taylor Page as Zola, who is the main character, and she is just great. She's giving you some great, awesome, subtle comedy that I think is perfectly timed, perfectly delivered. She really puts you in the audience's perspective in a really wonderful way. It's great to take the ride with her. You really feel like you're with her. And Riley Keogh plays Stephanie, who is this white woman that Zola ends up going on this trip with. And there's been a lot of talk about Riley Keogh's performance. I think she's very good. She resembles a lot of, well, one or two people that I've met that are this way, these white women who take on the quote-unquote mannerisms of black people, black women specifically. And, I mean, Iggy Azalea is the perfect example of this. You know, when she raps, you're just like, why do you sound like you're from the Dirty South, Iggy? You are from Australia. So this going along with the fact that Riley Keogh has played a similar character in American Honey, a film that is very high on my watch list, but I haven't watched yet. And then also playing this role and the fact that she is Elvis's granddaughter, which I did not know until very recently. And of course, we have issues between Elvis. Well, not an issue. Elvis is racist. That's yeah, that's what it is. So having that conversation about her playing these roles that are imitating, quote unquote, blackness, as well as, you know, her grandfather being a very famous, very rich racist. There's a conversation to be had around it. I think what she does do is just really portray these kinds of women that I have come across in my life very well. So to me, it feels like a very truthful performance. Nicholas Braun, which if you watch Succession, plays Cousin Greg, and he plays Derek in this film, who is Stephanie's boyfriend. Just very funny. He does his thing, and he does it well. It is comedy of him being tall and insecure and sheepish, and it works every single time he does it. He's great. Then... Then, 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 we have Coleman Domingo as the pimp of Stephanie, essentially. Just great. He is just so fucking great. He is, ah, his performance in this movie, you're just like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What the fuck is up with him? All kinds of questions. And last but not least that I'll mention is that we have T.S. Madison, who gives an amazing performance in this film. It only lasts about two minutes, maybe, but it is so impactful. She is so, so great. So this is the first time I think I've really been able to say this, maybe the second time, but go see Zola in theaters. Like, go see this movie. I'm about to see it again for sure. It is the perfect mix of just a fun movie that's also art house 
and taking some fun chances, doing some bold shit. It's great. If you like a show like Atlanta, if you like any Harmony Corrine movies, you will enjoy this. And she's really doing her own thing with it. So big ups to this cast, big up to Janixa, and also Jeremy O'Harris, who helped write the screenplay. And yeah, go see Zola in theaters, y'all. So some food for thought before we actually go on a bit of a summer break for the podcast. What are some movies that you would like to see me cover? Who are some guests that you would like to see on the show? Discuss some films with me. Let me know. Comment on our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Give us a rating if you'd like. And thanks per usual to the team. We have Cindy Edward, our production assistant. We have Matt Mozzarella killing it on audio per usual. We have Miss Amanda Seals, our executive producer. And the next film up after our summer break will be hopefully Bebe's Kids. I would love to get into the nitty gritty of Bebe's Kids. So we'll be back sometime in September, taking a little summer break to see family, which I haven't seen since the pandemic started, which is gonna be crazy. Also, I'm starting a new job as a film programmer at Nighthawk Cinema, which is the theater that I work at. And what this job entails is, you know, we do run first run films, which are new current films. And then we also do programming series and things like that around films that have come out previous to this year. So any film that we can have access to that is previous to this year, we book and put together in series and such. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And I will be bringing Adventures in Black Cinema, a truncated live version of that, to this theater in Brooklyn. It'll most likely be at our Prospect Park location. So when that happens, I will definitely post about it. And I will be screening films that I have done on the podcast. I will be booking some dope guests to also be in conversation about the films and it's going to be a great time so hopefully see you there i will announce that when that's happening and until then stay safe stay black and stay blessed and have a beautiful summer 2021 see y'all soon Great. Great. Great.